Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I am free! Free at last! Oh, my God. How does it feel? How does it feel to have placed third in the state championships? It feels pretty freaking awesome. I'm super proud of my kids, proud of myself for surviving marching man season. Uh, yeah, that was a great way to end it third in the state. Um, yeah, and I'm very excited to get back to drafting. I, I think I can speak on behalf of the Twitch community and the podcast community and say that we're happy to have you back, to get you back, I should say. We haven't we haven't gotten you back yet, but to get you back. Oh, I streamed this morning, man. Had a had a quick two hour stream before my internet pooped out. So I just woke up and I was like, you know what? Marching Man's over. I want to stream. <laughs> yes. Good for you. I'm sorry I missed it. I was at stupid work this morning. Brutal. Yeah. So if we check in on the trophy leaderboard, where are things at for you? I am 115 drafts deep. So, you know, just barely dipping my toe in. And I have 25 trophies. I have a 223 to 117 win loss record for a 66% win rate. I also have been playing some Innistrad flashback cues. That's a fun Ooh, format. Nice. And I played standard on stream on Friday, Ben. <laughs> I saw that. That was so awesome. So there's a pretty sweet five color brew out there with Lich's Mastery that I had to play. And it was really fun, but it is a really tough deck to pilot. Yeah, my oldest brother was telling me about this deck. I Skyped in for an arena draft with him uh, in the middle of the week. And he was like telling me the cards that were in the deck. And I was like, no, you're like confused. You must have looked at the wrong thing. <laughs> He's like, no, it's here. I swear. And so he sent me a Google link and I was like, whoa, that deck looks like a brew. Like there's no reason that it should be good, but it's really, really a strong deck. It's got game against a lot of the like top tier decks in the format, but it also is a pretty big dog against some of those decks as well. It's like all of your favorite draft build arounds piled into one deck yeah i mean like the two like strong cards in the deck are lich's mastery and mirari conjecture which i played with a ton so like i i felt like surprisingly familiar with like the dirtle that was that deck right the play patterns and things yeah like that. i was like I, I know how to do these things but it was still it was still pretty tough um how about you uh, after your your big stream this morning where you at on the trophy leaderboard I'm two drafts deeper, uh, 33, 33 drafts in total. How does it feel to have drafted four times as much as me? Feels pretty normal. Uh, <laughs> <seven>. <laughs> I'll get it together. <laughs> One of these summers, I'll beat you in a format. 
11 trophies, 33 drafts, 71 and 27 overall record for a 72% win rate. Nice. And you feel like you really got a, a much like stronger handle on the format with those two drafts? Yes, I feel like I'm no longer theoretically talking to you. I feel like I'm actually... Did you draft green-white today? I did not, no. <laughs> All right, get out of here. <laughs> All right, listeners, we have... A pretty epic show ahead of you today. Uh, ben and I spent no less than 40 minutes prior. I think that's the most amount of time we've ever spent before a show to record it. Yeah, Is that there true? was some serious debate. We had, some, we had some serious debates here about how to outline the show, and we hope that it's going to be super successful. We're going to look at some pivot points in Guilds of Ravnica drafts. We've got a bunch of drafts laid out. We're going to talk about some like times when we thought we wanted to bob or weave or figure out which direction to go. And, you know, we're, we're like you mortals out there. Sometimes we struggle to make decisions, too. Uh, but before we get into any of that, we got to talk about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is the place to give back to the show if you so choose. The show will always be free. But there are some pretty sweet perks if you do decide to give back, if you feel like you get some value out of the show every week of me and Ben arguing theoretically with each other, if you feel like you've won some more boosters on Magic Online or taken down some chumps at your FNM, whatever you you feel like the show provides for you and you want to give something back to us, we really appreciate it. There are some incentives there. And for anyone who wants to give back to the show, you get access to the Lords of Limited Discord. And I, I just... I can't talk about it enough. I can't say enough good things about the LOL Discord. That is where you want to go to talk all things limited with other like-minded folks, other people who are grinding all over the place. We've even got we've got some pros in there. And there's not just plebs like me and Ben. There's some some <laughs> some bona fide pro magic players hanging out in the Discord just trying to to reap those benefits and also to give back their information as well. There are some rewards for some higher tier donations. You get access to the show notes in real time. Watch us build the episode before we record it. You get access to our record tracking spreadsheet where we keep all of our draft logs and deck picks and even some notes about those decks. That's going to be a lot of information from both me and Ben. Uh, you get access to a sort of a private section of the Discord for some higher tier donations and even get access to some coachings from the Lords of Limited. And we also want to make sure that we shout out each and every new member the week that they join. So this week we would like to welcome Alex, Nick, Adam, Kitty, and Joel. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yes, thank you very, very, very much. We also just recently hit one of our stretch goals, which is Ethan and I making a showdown video with both of us recording our drafts and narrating the matches against each other. And we made plans to start testing that out week after this so be on the lookout that sort of content is coming your way yeah i am looking forward to getting down and dirty and some showdown videos with you ben you're going down buddy i probably am i'm like what lifetime one and three against you or something i wasn't gonna say it but yes that is that is absolutely <laughs> accurate all right so like i said we're gonna go through a couple of my drafts a couple of ben's drafts and we're gonna talk about you know not just like navigating the initial starts of the drafts but but when it gets tough, when when pick six comes around and you get thrown a curveball, when the wheel comes around and you're trying to figure out what that means and then how you navigate what you took from the first pack and how that's shaking out with what you're getting passed from the left. So, Ben, can I invite you to take a seat at the roundtable today? I would like nothing more. All right. So here is my first draft that we're going to look at. And for... Anyone listening, following along, we're going to be shortcutting a lot of these picks, going to sort of those those interesting decision points that I talked about before. But if you want to follow along, pick by pick, see everything in each pack, we will have all the links to the draft viewers in the uh, information 
below where you download each episode. So you can definitely follow along at home and get the full experience. But Ben, we're going to shortcut this here for you. Uh, A few cards that I was taking a look at were Watcher in the Mist, our favorite card of the format, gotta be Glaive of the Guild Pact, and Vivid Revival, which is a rare four and a green sorcery return up to three target multicolored cards from your graveyard to your hand, and then you exile Vivid Revival. And maybe I was just feeling a little more on the like spicy five color brew. Maybe I was feeling a bit more like green was underdrafted. But I decided that the the most high upside, powerful pick for me for this first pack was Vivid Revival. What do you think about that? I think that's a little sketchy for me. I, I Theoretically I, sketchy, you mean? Theoretically sketchy, yeah. I, you know, what, what do I know? I've done one fourth of the drafts you've done. Uh, but Vivid Revival feels like, you know, you've got to have other cards to make it work. It's in one of the weakest colors. Like, I would prefer to start out a draft in blue over green. And I think Watcher in the Mist is just like a solid card and is going to do more work drafting and draft out. Uh, than Vivid Revival. So I think I think Vivid Revival is actually third year for me. I think I'd go Watcher, then Glaive, then Vivid Revival. All right. Well, that makes sense because you uh, have barely played green. <laughs> um, but we're not here to debate these picks really like this is not what this episode is going to be about. We're just going to try and navigate with the information that we have from the pick. So we grab Vivid Revival here. Uh, in pack one, pick two, you know, there's not a lot to consider. I think the pretty clear front runner is Artful Takedown as the best card in the pack. I think important to note that it's being taken over a thought erasure. So we've got two strong Demir cards here, taking one of them and passing the other. You know, never want to focus too much on the signals that you're sending, but I think it is important to just be aware of that. But the signals you receive much more important than the signals you send. And then pick three, we're following it up. We're grabbing another strong Demir card. We didn't get thought erasure last time, but we sure are grabbing it this time. So in pick three, I'm going to grab this thought erasure here. So now I've got, got a Demir card, Demir card. And then pick four... Nothing difficult here. A house guild mage is probably the best card in the pack, you know, but certainly the best card with what we've gotten so far in terms of this Demir train. And and when I'm getting these strong uncommon or like really strong common removal spells that are multicolored, this in in this sort of secession, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this draft just going swimmingly from here on out. I don't know about you. Yeah, if I'm on pick four and I've gone Demir card, Demir card, and pick four, I get a card as strong as House Guild Mage. Like in my brain, I've totally moved off Vivid Revival right now. I mean, and you know, who knows? Maybe down the road that'll change. But like in my brain right now, after going Artful Takedown into Thought Erasure into House Guild Mage, like I'm on the Demir plan. Like I want to draft Demir. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna go. I'm going to raise you one more and say what you should be on is the Demir plan splashing green for Vivid Revival. <laughs> Get out of here. No, I'm not even joking. You've got three gold cards that are really strong already. Uh, Yeah, all right. That's fair. All right. Vivid Revival is not out of my brain. I take it back. You're that right. was absolutely my plan at this point. I was like, this is great. All I need is like three Golgari guild gates and I'm going to be made in the shade. <laughs> so then we get to pack one pick five. And this is really sort of the first pivot point that I want to talk about here. So the cards that I'm looking at in pick five are Dowser of Lights, Dazzling Lights, Golgari guild gate to sort of leave that that splashing green dream alive. Some green cards, Portcullis Vine, Siege Worm, Crawl Foragers, and a Golgari Find Broker. That's the black, black, green, green, three, four, that ETBs returns a permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. I think this is a very interesting decision in this draft and potentially one that a lot of people would gloss over. I think with that sort of like streamlined feeling of like Demir card, Demir card, Demir card, there's an argument to just like, 
hold on for dear life here and be like, I could take Dowser of Lights. I could take Dazzling Lights. I could take the Guild Gate to like make sure that I have access to that Vivid Revival splash that I think is good. But I think that Golgari Finebroker fifth pick is a very real signal. And passing this card here will almost certainly put someone else to your left in black green. So like if you're gonna get into Golgari here, this is the time to do it. Because I think once you pass this, the ship has sailed. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's always a hard thing. And I think it's especially hard in this format. So the card that tempts me most here outside of Golgari Finebroker is Golgari Guildgate. But mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you that the power level on Finebroker is powerful enough here. And it's late enough that I absolutely want to take a flyer on it here. But let's say you're not you know, on, on the plan that you and I are drafting. And you pass this Golgari Finebroker. And then just theoretically, mm-hmm. theoretically, bear with me here, theoretically, <laughs> you get a Golgari Fine Broker sixth pick after passing this one fifth pick. Are you uh-huh. on it then? Like, or do you think like it's too late? And the you're ship's saying sailing? like, and in this theoretical sixth pack, there's like nothing worth taking in my two colors. Yes. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, I think I would take Fine Broker. I think what I think when it becomes interesting is like, is it Fine Broker versus you know, something filler like dark, like, dark blade agent or like Demir informant, maybe right. Something, something like pretty, like feeling repl- like you would play it, but it feels replaceable. I think that's interesting. And I, I, I guess my answer is, I don't know. I think you're supposed to take fine broker. I think you are. I don't think you're supposed to lock yourself out of guild having already passed good cards in that guild because weird stuff happens and you don't know what the people to your left have done. Like maybe the two people to your left are like hard in Boros and hard in is it and maybe they pass the fine broker too and it gets across the table from you. Like I don't think it necessarily locks you out of Golgari passing it here, but I do agree that it's the pick. There are are going to be a lot of themes I think that are going to recur throughout this episode. And one of those is this feeling of when it's too late. And I think there's also something to be said about like, if it's a pick seven fine broker versus a pick four fine broker, those are much different. Like if you decide to take the pick seven fine broker, having pat i guess in this what i mean to say is in the scenario where you've like passed something that you think is a really strong golgari card that if you take it at pick seven and you think someone to your left is moving in on black green you're really only gonna get like one pack if golgari is open from your right you're really only gonna get pack three if you've already theoretically sent this signal that you think someone's going to pick up on and you'll get cut from the left. I think that's a really tough thing to navigate. And that's when I think the sentiment of like, don't worry about the signals you pass sort of gets thrown out the window. Right, right, right. But I I agree. I I did, you know, we don't have to think about theoretical. We can think about actual in in pick five. I did take the fine broker here, passing up on the guild gate, the the douser of lights, the dazzling lights, the, the stuff that I thought could make my deck. Uh, pick six, I grabbed a Guildgate out of a fairly weak pack. We saw another da- Dazzling Lights and a Hired Poisoner here as the other two cards, I think, in contention that could sort of toe the line between like, well, I'm going to go back to Demir or I'm going to decide to, to, to move ahead with Golgari. I thought the Guildgate sort of like left me open to other options, giving me fixing. You know, you're going to want gates anyway if you're trying to play those CCDD cards, I think. Um, but grabbing the Guildgate here still leaves me open to, well, Golgari is out the window. I can still play my Vivid Revival. Pick seven, I grabbed a rare that I think a lot of people, including myself, maybe wrote off initially, Drowned Secrets. That's the one in a blue enchantment. Whenever you cast a blue spell, target player puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. I've actually been pretty surprised by this in 
control decks. I'm not sure if that's the path that I'm on now, but that's the card that I felt was the most powerful out of the pack. Not really feeling like that fine broker is is shaking out at the moment, not seeing the the rewards I would have wanted to see having grabbed that fifth pick. Uh, pack one, pick eight. I grab a Demir Guildgate. And then pack one, pick nine, we're going to start to see what's rolling around the table. The Glaive of the Guild Pact came back, and we do have two gates. But there's a Darkblade agent in the pack. That's the one blue, black, common, two, three. And then if you surveilled this turn, it has Death Touch. And when it deals damage to a player, you draw a card. So I, I grabbed that and I was feeling like I needed to just move back into Demir and the Fine Broker was a bit of a fluke. How are you feeling right now on this wheel, Ben? Yeah, I'm shocked that Glaive of the Guild pack wheeled here. I think that was one of the three best cards in the pack. And I think somebody at the table should have picked that by now. I don't know that it's necessarily supposed to be you here, pick nine. I initially asked you about this when we were looking through these drafts, and you gave me a pretty solid argument that, well, I'm Demir. It's generally not great in Demir. You have to do some work to really want it in Demir. And that all makes sense to me. And you've been cutting Demir, and this Darkblade agent is like a pretty good card. Like wheeling a Darkblade agent is big game, I think, if you're in Demir, because Demir is usually pretty hotly contested. Mm-hmm. So I could, I t- makes total sense to me here that you want to pick the Darkblade agent and just keep cutting Demir. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I grabbed a Mephitic Vapors next, pick 10. It felt like we were back on the Demir plan, got a Child of Night, got a Muse Drake, and then pick 13, which is not generally where I feel like people pick up on signals. Pick 13, I see a Golgari Guildgate, a Crawl Foragers, and a Portcullis Vine. Now, none of these cards are anything special. This is probably too late for a Guildgate to be going in general. This is, again, something that I'm I'm interested in, in grabbing because if I end up Demir, I'm going to want to splash Vivid Revival. But Foragers and Portcullis Vine are like fine commons in green decks, in both green decks, I would say. Yeah, I agree. And just seeing them all here pick 13 leads me to believe that green is being underdrafted at this table. And maybe the Fine Broker wasn't such a terrible hedge pick after all. Uh, finish out the pack with a Veiled Shade and a Vicious Rumors. So which which one did you land on out of those three? Oh, sorry. I grabbed the Golgari Guildgate. I was still still leaning towards, I don't know if green is where I want to be. I do have a lot of really good Demir cards in my pile, you know? I've got to take down a Thought Erasure, a House Guild Mage, grab that late Dark Blade Agent. Demir is looking pretty good. And I have now four multicolored cards to get back with Revival. Right, so and this, that Golgari like, Guildgate helps the splash. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I was still feeling pretty good about like, I'm going to be Demir splashing this revival and my deck's going to be good. And like that Golgari fine broker was a bit of a fluke. So moving on to pack two, pick one. I think this is actually a pretty interesting decision just in general, knowing you're in Demir. How do you feel about deadweight versus artful takedown? I think you got to take deadweight. I think it's yeah. too, too good at shoring up the Boros matchup, which is one of Demir's toughest matchups. Yeah, I agree completely. So Deadweight is what I grabbed over Artful Takedown. And I think if we're still feeling like we're towing the Golgari line, that Crawl Harpooner is worth mentioning here as the one in a green 3-2 with Reach, enters the battlefield and can sort of be a, a copy of Plummet if you need it to be. Um, but I did grab the Deadweight here, which is, again, I think a nice... I think Deadweight is just the best card in the pack for our colors, period. But I also think even if I thought, let's say, Harpooner was better than Deadweight, I still think Deadweight feels like the responsible pick to sort of stay in the color that could go both Demir or Golgari. Yeah? Yeah. All right. And then pack two, pick two, really nothing for either of the decks that we could be going in on i grabbed a golgari guildgate shockingly and i think the only card to like mention in terms of where we're at is that there is a rhizome lurcher in the pack which is generally a card that you want to wheel 
for your Golgari decks. Um, so that's the two black green common, two two, and then comes into play with a plus and plus one counter on it for each creature in your graveyard. So I was I was sort of eyeing that here, but again, this is now my third Golgari Guildgate to be able to splash Vivid Revival, so I'm feeling good about that. And now pack two, pick three, Ben. You see the following cards: Deadly Visit, Artful Takedown, and Golgari Find Broker. What do you think about those? Yeah, this is a tough pick. I think all three of those cards are great. I think Golgari Fine Broker is the best of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also have a very, very, very solid Demir start going on here. Um, I don't know. I, I think I would quickly rule out Artful Takedown. Uh, I would want the Surveil on Deadly Visit if I were picking a card here for my Demir deck, hoping to get some payoffs later, maybe like a Demir Spy Bug or a Thoughtbound Phantasm or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think you already have a Golgari fine broker. A second one would be great. You don't, the, you don't have any Demir guild gates yet. Do you know you have one Demir guild gate, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the potential here. If you really feel like it to take Golgari fine broker and try to be base Golgari splashing Demir, which I think is what you have to do with the CCD cards. Like if you're, if you're planning, you can't splash those cards. You have to be base no. those two colors. Yeah, I don't know. This is a really tough decision. I think the the Golgari Fine Broker is pretty high upside, and I think if it doesn't work out, you still have enough Demir cards that you're going to make Demir playables. You'll miss yeah. the Deadly Visit, but I don't think it's worst case scenario. Yeah, I agree with everything you've said, and I do think it's a it's a pretty big risk to take Fine Broker here and end up not being black green and not getting a Deadly Visit here because you will miss it, as you said. I just felt like we got the fine broker fifth from our right. And then we saw those late green cards. And now we're getting fine broker from our left third, which, you know, is tough to get signals in, but still it's really powerful. There's a rare and an uncommon missing, which I think should say, you know, there's a rare and a common missing. And a common missing does tell us a little bit, at least about what one of the two people to our left decided to do. I just think having two fine brokers was too much upside for me to miss out on and i thought that this was the like time to move in to decide to be golgari and then maybe splash artful takedown or something like that but i I took the fine broker here as a decision to try and draft black green for this seat for the rest of the draft yeah i think that's totally reasonable to do yeah i think that there's a lot of people who would just take deadly visit here and i don't think that's the most incorrect but i think there is something, and I'm, I'm obviously going to be a little results-oriented as we move through the rest of the draft, that I think that you miss out on a bit of power here to not not take the fine broker. And as we will see as we move through the rest of the draft, that it really, both Demir and Golgari, shockingly, were open for the seat. Like, Black just seemed very underdrafted. Yeah, that's unusual. Yeah, very unusual. Um, so the next pick is uh, one that I do think is interesting just because it brings up a rare that we, we've talked about a little bit, but I, I like quite a bit. This is Guild Mage's Forum. This is the land that, that is like a shimmering grotto, but if you cast a multicolored creature when you're filtering a land, that creature enters the battlefield with a plus or plus one counter on it. And we had that versus a Glowspore Shaman, which if we're trying to you know hold on to the Golgari train, that's one of the, uh, the good two drops that really helps fuel undergrowth. Where would you have been at between those two? Uh, I think after taking the Golgari Fine Broker, I would just be slamming Glowspore Shaman here. 
I, I was still toying with the idea of, I guess, not splashing green, but that, that I might want to splash blue, which Guildmages Forum helps out on a little bit. And I just was so excited about the prospect of some four or five Golgari fine brokers. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so gold Yeah, that's such medium fixing, though. I don't know. I think, yeah, that's tough. I could see guild mages form there. Maybe it's not such a clear glow spore shaman plan, but it does feel mm. awkward, like deciding you're going to go into Golgari and then passing yeah. a Golgari uncommon that's pretty solid in Golgari. That's, I think, where the rub is. That That's where it feels really bad, where you're like, yeah, slamming fine broker, deciding to be black green, and then shipping this like really solid role play uncommon. That, that feels pretty bad. Um, The rest of this pack shakes out. Uh, I grabbed a burglar rat over a watcher in the mist, which did feel bad, but I, I did feel like I'd already committed. And I think continuing to waffle halfway through pack two can be dangerous. So even if it felt like the wrong decision, if it was the wrong decision, like to, to take fine broker and decide to be black green, I felt like I had made that decision. And that if I had taken watcher there, that that would have been too much back and forth. Followed that up with a hired poisoner, a circuitous route, rhizome lurcher, wield, vigor spore worm, Artful Takedown, which I was starting to still feel a little bit of regret. I'm like, an Artful Takedown 11th feels bad. And I was wondering if I had made the wrong choice. Um, but I did end up getting pretty hooked up in pack three. I did end up opening an Izoni and then getting a lot of black green cards from the right in pack three, which helped me out. Um, I got a Deadweight, Deadly Visit, Plague Crafter early in pack three. Uh, the Izoni was definitely a lucky open given my path, but I still think that the Fine Brokers led to a very powerful deck, and I did end up 3 0 Woo! Yeah, trophy! All right, what do you got for me? My first draft here is a pretty interesting one, and is going to talk about some of the same points, but like in other directions, I think, from what you chose to do. So pack one, pick one. You start off with a Chamber Sentry, I think, taken over Golgari Fine Broker, Artful Takedown, Luminous Bonds, and Conclave Guild Mage. What do you think about that pack one, pick one? I think it's great. I think Chamber Sentry is one of the most underrated rares in the format. Like, everyone should be taking it out of most boosters it appears in, and that doesn't end up happening. Yeah, I, I don't ever understand. Like, it's a great pack one, pick one, because it's going to be a solid two drop in any deck. And if you have to happen to end up splashing or in the five color deck, it's just going to be an absolute bomb for you. And also taking it early allows you to be like, oh, even if I end up in like blue red, I can grab a couple Demir Guild Gates to open up the possibility of casting this as a 3-3 instead of a 2-2. And that's like almost free for you. It's just a very flexible card. Yep, super solid. So moving on to pick two, I took a Piston Fist Cyclops out of a super weak pack. Just nothing else really worth noting. There's a Lectromancer, a Demir Guildgate, and a Watery Grave. Very unexciting pack. Pack three, again, I took another Piston Fist Cyclops with a rare and an uncommon missing out of the pack. So no real signals to be gained there and another super weak pack. Um, I figured if one Piston Fist Cyclops was good enough, two was good enough. Moving on to pick four, I landed on a Goblin Electromancer out of, again, another super weak pack. A rare and two uncommons were missing, so it must be nice for the people to my right to be picking all these rares and uncommons. <laughs> uh, that was not the case for me. So the best card in the pack here besides Electromancer was Rosemane Centaur, but I was pretty far away from that at this point. And Electromancer is good enough, like very good in the Izzet deck. So I was feeling fine about Piston Fist Cyclops into Piston Fist Cyclops into Goblin Electromancer. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, I've got like some common role players, very good above average gold cards in the best guild. Uh, so I'm feeling okay about this. And then I move on to pick five, where I see the following cards in the pack. Hellkite Whelp, Golgari Guildgate, Hammer Dropper, Rhizome Lurcher, Prey Upon, Sumala Woodshaper, and Unexplained Disappearance. And a rare and uncommon and two commons are missing from the pack. 
So a lot of like similarly power leveled cards here, and I'm not even sure that Unexplained Disappearance is the best card in the pack, but that was what I ended up on here. What are you thinking in the context of those cards? Yeah, you know, this is such an interesting pick, not because there's like some powerful cards here, but because I think what you're taking here is so dictated by what you've already taken, which I guess sounds like sort of obvious based on draft. But like, this is a time where you might want to be like, oh, what signals am I getting? And you're not getting any huge signals, but this is also not the ideal start for an Is it deck. Right, no. I've, I've not seen any of the premium uncommons. I've not seen Sonic Assaults. I mean, I would, but early on, I would rather have Piston Fist Cyclops than Sonic Assaults. I would be wanting to get Sonic Assaults later. But Unexplained Disappearance is not a card I'm like super interested in taking fifth pick in an ideal world. Like I'd want it around like seventh, eighth pick on the wheel maybe. But the thing is, is that none of these cards are cards you'd want to take fifth pick. Right. So ultimately, I, again, I ended up settling on unexplained disappearance for that reason because i didn't think any of those cards were really good enough to make a hedge on like there was no golgari fine broker here like you had in your draft pick five like it's just the power level is not there and i think that's a different type of draft and it makes it a little harder to read the signals especially in this format when you're not seeing a lot of the premium uncommons or headliners for the different guilds okay here's something that just occurred to me and i want to bounce this off you yeah so when you're drafting a deck like boros or Demir, and you get to pick five, and you're not really seeing anything good for your deck, I think that means something much worse than if you're in, I mean, I don't know how you would get into that deck otherwise, but like, because the commons are so deep for those guilds. Yes, I absolutely agree. It's a way worse problem if you start it or Demir or Boros and are not seeing good cards than if you start Selesnyol Golgari right. and are not seeing good cards. So I wonder if you if that should be a signal in and of itself. If you get to pick five and you're like, wait, there's like nothing good for it here? That yeah. mean that that must mean I should jump ship. Yeah, I was I was that's literally typed into our show notes. Like letter C, I'm getting worried about the lack of quote good is it cards I've seen because there's a lot of them and I've seen none no good ones yet. Right. In comparison to Selesnia, where like Rosemade Centaur is the only good gold common, like all of Is It's gold commons are good. Cyclops, Sonic Assault, Electromancer, Hypothesis. Right. So moving on to pick six, uh, I see the following cards in the pack that are worth taking. Notion Rain, Hatchery Spider, and Necrotic Wound. Uh, and this is where I I think I made my first mistake in the draft. I was thinking, okay, like I'm is it. I've got Piston Fist Cyclops. I've got this Electromancer. Just took an unexplained disappearance. You know, it's going to start flowing eventually, right? Like I'm seeing some gold cards, some medium commons. And I think Necrotic Wound and Hatchery Spider are both just better cards than Notion Rain. But I was thinking like, okay, I've got these Piston Fist Cyclops. I need spells to turn them on. Maybe I could splash this Notion Rain. But even then, like if I somehow end up Demir, the Piston Fist Cyclops aren't going to be good. Like this was just a wrong pick, I think. I think both Hatchery Spider and Necrotic Wound were good enough that I should have hedged here. And I think if I were hedging, I would have hedged on Necrotic Wound. What do you think about that? I, I know that I am higher on Hatchery Spider than most of the world, so I probably would have grabbed that here. I think there's also a world where Notion Rain isn't the worst pick, that like it's it's kind of splashable. You can go more Grixis, like you got an unexplained disappearance, so that has some surveil. But again, you haven't seen any Demir cards. Right. But these are like the first 
good cards I've seen, really. Like Notion Rain, Hatchery Spider, Necrotic Wound, Pick 6 are some of the stronger cards I've seen in the draft to this point, I think. But like Necrotic Wound plus Hatchery Spider still being in the pack Pick 6 has to mean Golgari is open. Whether whether you take Wound or Spider to like decide which flavor of Golgari or if you're going to try and go some sort of three to five color deck, I think that's sort of up to you. But I think that that the spider and wound have to be bigger signals than notion rain. Yeah, I think so too. And then moving on to pick seven, I ended up taking a sinister sabotage here over again, another weak pack, like cards that are in the pack, sprouting renewal, dazzling lights. Is it guild gate flight of equinox, that giant four or five flyer. That's terrible from Selesnia. So I feel fine about sinister sabotage. I was like, okay, I'm still getting good blue and red cards. And then pick eight. I see the following cards. Glow Spore Shaman, Siege Worm, and Devious Cover-Up. And again, like the feelers are up here. Like I know Glow Spore Shaman is good in Golgari, but like, am I really abandoning all of these Izzet cards I've taken to this point to take a Glow Spore Shaman or a Siege Worm? I don't know. That feels like pretty terrible. So I ended up on Devious Cover-Up, but again, like on looking back through this draft, I think this is just wrong here. Like Devious Cover-Up doesn't do anything for my Piston Fist Cyclops. It doesn't let them attack. Piston Fist Cyclops is not great in an Is It Control deck. Like it's very much an Is It Aggro card. While Glow Spore Shaman is not like outstanding in Golgari, it's like a very solid role player. And seeing it pack one pick eight is probably a signal. So even if it's not like a good card, or maybe it's not like a B minus, like I think that's what happened in my head. Like I've got Glow Spore Shaman as a C plus in my head. So like I wasn't thinking it should move me into Golgari, but seeing it pack one pick eight is like pretty late for that card. Yeah, it really is. There's something I think that happens in this format where you feel like, and I think this happened a lot in Ixalan too, where you feel like you can just hold on for dear life. I say this a lot, where you feel like you can just hold on and be like, well, I've cut is it this pack. So then theoretically, the person to my left shouldn't be in is it. So I should get it pack two. And then I'll be cutting it from the person that was drafting it in pack one, and then they'll move off of it. But that's not going to happen. Even if you get it from the left, you're going to have one good pack of Izzet cards to go along with your medium Izzet cards you've got in this pack. And then the person to your right is not going to be deterred. I think even though it feels so bad to move off of what you've got for like a glow spore shaman pick eight for a hatchery spider pick six or a necrotic wounds pick six, like I think these are the kinds of decisions you have to make in this format specifically because ending pack one with a bunch of medium is it cards or scrapping for playables in a guild that you shouldn't be scrapping for playables in feels like a real disaster. Yeah, I agree. And I think the the mistake or the the not necessarily the mistake, but the hard part about reading the signals and figuring out when and how to pivot here was that all of the packs were so weak. So because all of the packs were so weak, I needed to take like in pick six, the hatchery spider necrotic wound as more of a signal than I did. And I also need to take glow spore shaman and siege worm as more of a signal than I did. We're saying siege worm as a signal, not necessarily that you want to take it here. Like, I don't think I would take siege worm if glow spore shaman wasn't here. I but agree. I think the the presence of both cards is information. It's not just the card that you would take out of the pack. It's the presence of all the cards in the pack. Yes. And then moving on to pick nine, I think this is where I got the biggest signal of all and I still ignored it. So cards left in the pack on the wheel, Conclave Guild Mage, Fire Urchin, and Leapfrog. And Conclave Guild Mage I had listed as one of the top five cards in the pack. And it was literally the only Selesnya card in the pack. And so I think that wheeling is a gigantic signal. Like that I've got a card picked out as top five. It's the only one in its guild. 
that to me means Selesnya is probably open. And I think I was just too chicken at this point to like abandon all of these medium is it cards. And I think I just should have. I also think that we could be talking about this in the context of our last episode and be looking at a lot of these cards in the realm of the gate deck. And that maybe not something so clean cut as Golgari or Selesnya being open for your seat is correct. But that maybe you're seeing a lot of cards that go in a green based gate deck as well. Right. And that I'm then then I'm just essentially abandoning Piston Fist Cyclops and I've still got my Chamber Sentry and Chamber Sentry is going to be outstanding wherever I end up. Yeah. And, and is going to be the most outstanding in a gate deck. Yeah. And then pick 10. Uh, I took a Garrison Sergeant over a Prey Upon and a bunch of other Abzan cards left in the pack. Pick 11. I took a Siege Worm. And again, there were all Abzan cards left in the pack. And again, these were weak packs, but just the sheer amount of green, white, and black cards that we're wheeling. And again, they're not cards that you want to move into Selesnya Golgari for, but the abundance of them and the fact that they're the only ones that are left are signs that I should be moving out of visit. And I had just ignored them at this point. And at this point, I was like, ugh, I should have done this. And I still think I could have, but I didn't. And then it really got compounded in pick 12 here. I took a Spinal Centipede over a Rosemane Centaur and an Arboretum Elemental because I was thinking, well, maybe I'm Grixis somehow. And Rosemane Centaur being one of the best cards when we saw it pick four and it wheeling all the way to pick 12. No one else at the table is drafting Selesnya. I think we can safely say at this point after wheeling the Conclave Guild Mage and then seeing the Rosemane Centaur here. And I just totally missed it. It's really hard. I, I, I know that feeling of like, it feels too late. It feels too late. Oh, this definitely feels too late. What if I could have done this? And then like, there's got to still be the time where you can jump ship. I still think I could have taken Rosemane Centaur here and ended up with it was that open. Yeah. And I think that's another point for having clear pick orders in your head, because I think all of these cards wheeling and, you know, the abundance of them wheeling. I think I got really bogged down in these cards aren't B minuses. I shouldn't be moving in for these cards. But when you receive cards that are C pluses or C's and the amount of cards that you're seeing that are C pluses and C's out of wee packs just might mean you have to make make some shifts. Right. It's not again, it's like it's not about only the card that you're taking. It's also about the the cards that are present in that pack. Right. So this draft rounded out uh, black, green and white continue to flow most of the draft despite me not moving in, which just means it was wide open. Uh, pack two, pick three. There was a district guide, a vivid revival midway through pack two, a pack two, pick seven Golgari fine broker. And then to add insult to injury, I opened Tristani discordant, the magic online gods telling me that I was an idiot <laughs> and should have drafted <laughs> Selesnya. Um, so I think it was pretty clear if I had done a better job reading the signals that I should have audibled out of visit. But I agree. I do agree that I started this draft fine with the chamber sentry into the Cyclops into the Electromancer. Yeah, I think that's absolutely what you should have done, given the information you had. And then I just missed moving off of it. So and sometimes you're gonna have to do that. Well, we're gonna see a pretty similar draft here when we move into to my second one here, a little bit of a an is it gone wrong deck. So uh, pack one, pick one. I grab an erratic Cyclops. That's that that 08 rare over a Conclave Cavalier. Now, this is surprisingly close to me. And I guess it's, it's like close but clear. It's a, a phrase that I think we're, we're starting to throw around a lot when we like are texting about decisions. Yeah, that erratic Cyclops looks on its face like a more flexible card than Conclave Cavalier. But I don't think it is because it's basically just an is it card. It's just an is it cards that needs other is it cards to be good. Right. And so it feels as like 
narrow as a card as Conclave Cavalier. Now it's it's less so because Izzet is a much better guild than Selesnya. I think we both have Izzet as number one and Selesnya as number five. So the power level gap there is pretty big. But in terms of like the power level of the card in the deck, I think they're kind of similar. Well, and I'm also getting to the point where like almost like it's almost to the green in HOU point where like, yeah, I just don't want to start. Is it because I just know I'm going to get cut out? And maybe that's just like a mentality that I've had because I've gotten cut out of it recently in the last couple drafts I've done. But it just feels rough starting. Is it and then moving off of is it so like part of me just almost wants to take conclave cavalier because i think yeah nobody else is gonna be drafting slesnia i'll do it <laughs> that is the exact feeling i had i, I was like i'm go- i guess i feel like i have to take cyclops but i think if i was off stream i would have taken cavalier because i i am feeling that way i've had too many drafts where i've started is it card is it card is it card and then just gotten nothing and that feels bad i don't feel bad when i pivot pick five because i see a fine broker I feel bad when I pivot pick five because I see no is it cards. Yes. And then like the card you're pivoting for is like a rhizome lurcher or, right. <laughs> or something like right. that. And you're you've like, already passed a couple other Golgari cards that are better. Yes. Yeah, that feels really bad. Um, so I got I, I took the erratic Cyclops here and I was happy to grab an inescapable blaze second. Uh, took it over Nightvale Predator, which uh, again, is, is pretty close. Nightvale Predator, I think, is one of the best cards in this format. It's absurdly strong. And then we're, we're starting to move into some some iffy territory here ben this is going to seem maybe a little familiar to you so pack one pick three i grabbed piston fist cyclops here i'm staying on the is it train but there's a dead weight and a plague crafter in the pack what would you do here this is tough i man cyclops is so easy to take right it's so yeah it's great it's a great is it card it is a great is it card and you've got a great start to an is it deck here i think piston fist cyclops is the right pick here I think I would take Piston Fist Cyclops. I think Deadweight's the right pick. Do you really? That feels a little wishy-washy to me. So I guess the the thing that I think I need to start doing, I, I hear what you're saying about the wishy-washiness, but Deadweight is super strong. Again, there is a Deadweight in the pack with a Plague Crafter. There's like a Plague Crafter, there's a Hired Poisoner, there's a Pitiless Gorgon, there's a Spinal Centipede. And I know it's only pick three, so like let's not get so excited about the black cards that we're seeing. And they're all commons. It's like, you know, there's a couple uncommons missing, so it's not really easy to grab information from the signals that we're receiving yet but i do think deadweight is the best card in the pack pretty clearly like i think it's you know levels above the other cards here and if i miss out on this piston fist cyclops here and is it is open is it will be open and i'll get some piston fist cyclops but if i miss out on this deadweight here and black is what i'm supposed to be doing i think that's a mistake and I think just like psychologically starting off with these three is it cards is going to totally I'm I don't have the the, pr- the brain power here to do something different. I feel like I take the Cyclops here and it's going to be really hard for me to move off of it. Yeah, there is that danger. I think I would be very curious to see what Ryan Sachs and Sasha would do here because I feel like. Sasha especially is just like Sasha stay on plan like I think he would just slam piston fist cyclops which is why I was like well I think I just think that's the pick like you've got two is it cards why try to level yourself but I but I hear all the arguments you're saying and those make perfect sense to me too I just feel like I've gotten burned enough times this format so far from this kind of decision making spoiler alert for this draft that I, I just worry that I may be just missing out on like, look, I'll take a dead weight. And if black green or black blue is open, I'm going to be happy. And if is it is what I'm supposed to be doing, then I'll get Piston Fist Cyclops, you know? Yeah, that makes sense to me. 
So if we move on to pack one, pick four, we're going to start to see a little bit of sadness as there's a house guild mage in the pack that like is probably the best card here other than maybe a Rosemain Centaur. I'm not really sure where like power level wise those two match up against each other. But like if I had taken Deadweight, I would have been pretty happy to grab house guild mage. As it sits, I have no is it options here. I, I have an is it Guildgate is what I landed on over like maximize velocity and muse drake. Yeah, I think pick four here. I would have been on house guild mage. I think you should yeah. have been on house guild mage because you feel like you're not giving up on anything. Yeah, and it's splashable. And is it? It's just a powerful card, right? It's not splashable. You're not splashing house guild mage and is it? I mean, if you get totally cut out of is it, you would. Yeah. Yes. Sure. If I am scrapping for playables, I will play a playable card. But like that's not like even plan C with that card for me i don't think well but don't you think house guild mage fourth is a signal yes that that is i think the thing that i'm missing out on here is like house guild mage and rosemane centaur are both like great cards in their respective guilds and obviously again i would rather be demir than selesnia and house guild mage is probably more of a signal than rosemane centaur being an uncommon and a better guild so i think i miss out on both and i think i just got sort of locked into this and this is again what i'm talking about with my own personal like I just don't have the power to say no once I'm on like, is it card? Is it card? Is it card? That I got into this like, All right, I'm just going to grab Guildgate here and hope and pray. It is tempting. I think it's especially tempting with is it because you know there are so many good is it cards. Well, and even bad versions of is it decks are still kind of good sometimes. Yeah, I I easily I easily two one with that is it deck I force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so I, th I think we can probably move through this fairly quickly as we just sort of see things of like, should have done this? Should have done this? Um, pick five. I see a Rosemane Centaur and a Glaive of the Guild Pact. And I grab Rosemane Centaur here thinking, all right, maybe I'm going to move into Selesnia. This seems like the most powerful card in the pack. I get a Hatchery Spider sixth. Again, not a card that I'm like super happy about in Selesnia per se, but I'd be happy with both of those cards in a, a five color gate deck or some sort of control deck. But then a Sonic Assault pick seven pulls me right back in. Just reels in. Like that, that is really feel, feels like the nail in the coffin for me here. It's yeah, like, that's brutal. Now I'm seeing a strong is it card late. That's got to be what I'm supposed to be doing. These past few packs must have just been duds. But they weren't, and I sort of just spend the rest of this pack waffling with like medium Selesnia cards. I grab some gates here to try and like give myself an escape route in terms of like my mana is going to be really bad. And then I start off pack two with an Electromancer. Great. And then a Watcher in the Mist. Not really what you want in it as a deck, but like that's a good blue card. Yeah, it's a good blue uh, card. Another Watcher in the Mist, another good blue card. And then I'm taking Radical Idea fourth, which is not really what you want to do. And then I'm taking Ornery Goblin and Beam Splitter Mage, but I have no spells. Like, I, I just spent the whole draft being like, I guess I'm taking these Izzet cards, but they're all creatures and I don't have any of the good spells and I don't have any card draw. And, you know, it just didn't really shake out to be good to the, to the point where at the end of this draft, I ended up with a pretty steaming pile of cards splashing garrison sergeant playing a boros locket and a thousand year storm which i unfortunately only ever pitched to my maximize cards <laughs> nice uh but again you know this is medium to garbage is it and it's still two one so there's something to be said about that but i really think there's a lot of these drafts that i need to be more aware of for the future of like getting out of the bad is it lane and grabbing the good green cards and so you think you should have been Selesnya in your seat, I think? Yeah, I think so. Because I'm not even sure that... I mean, I guess I don't know what it would what it would happen. I grab Deadweight and then House Guild Mage and then still get moved off of it. Yeah, I think some sort of green deck was what I was supposed to do. Yeah, 
That was a tough draft. Yeah, I mean, because again, like, let's think about what, and maybe this is just because green commons are like medium to bad, but pack one, pick 12, Vigor Spore Worm, Prey Upon, Pitiless Gorgon, Gateway Plaza. Those are all fine to good green cards. Vigor Spore Worm is a good card. But I think there's, so I think a, a takeaway from this this episode should be that like sometimes on the wheel, like the sheer number of, like if you're in Is It or Demir or Boros, there've been times when I've been feeling like I've been getting cut and I just shove that feeling down <laughs> because I keep telling myself that like the cards I'm seeing in green and black or white are just bad enough that I don't want to move in for them. And sometimes just the sheer quantity of Selesnya or Golgari cards needs to be signals on the wheel in pack one when you're feeling like you're getting cut, like to trust that instinct. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's both of those in combination because like I'm not trying to jump ship for a pick 12 Pitalus Gorgon, but if I'm already feeling like, I, I know what that feeling is. We've just had that feeling before of like, this doesn't feel right. This is not a good start to an Izzet deck. This is not a good start to a draft in this format. And then I see those cards, those medium commons, but there's a bunch of them. And you can, you, and you can just talk yourself out of them, but I think we need to stop talking ourselves out of them. Oh, it's so easy to talk yourself out of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got one more draft here. You ready to take a seat? I'm so excited to figure out why I shouldn't draft green again. <laughs> <laughs> pack one, pick one. You see Bounty of Might over Inescapable Blaze, Necrotic Wound, Healer's Hawk, Command the Storm, and some other commons. This is the one I texted you about. I yeah. was like, Bounty of Might or Inescapable Blaze? And you were just like, nine is greater than six. It, it sure is. Yeah, I agree with Bounty of Might here. I like it. Pick two, easy price of fame with a rare missing, took it over Justice Strike, nothing else relevant, so you got a bounty and a price. Pick three, dead weight uh, with an uncommon and a common missing. Uh, and the fact that there's a common missing, I think means that dead weight is a little bit more of a signal than if there were like, you know, an uncommon and a rare missing or two uncommons missing. Yeah, sure. We can start to see that as a little bit of a signal. So that was a great follow-up to price of fame. Pick four, I took a district guide over whisper agent with a rare and two commons missing. And with certainly already two commons missing out of the pack, district guide feels like a pretty big signal. What do you think about that? Yeah, I like that a lot. You, so this is, some, this is something I need to take from you more. Like last week I was talking about sideboarding versus like being on the player of the draw. And you were like, that's something you do way better than I do. This is something you do way better than I do is tracking the rarity of something out of the pack. I do that like once and then I forget to do it the rest of the draft. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, but I do think it matters, especially when you're trying to read signals. Like in the first five picks, I don't do it the whole draft, but I try to make myself pay attention the first five or six packs in pack one. Yeah, especially with this deadweight pick and the district guide pick, it, it both feels like it's reinforcing those decisions in a good way. And then we get to our first real decision point, pick five, see the following cards as options. Spinal Centipede, Inescapable Blaze, fifth pick, which is just should never happen, and Amara, Soul of the Accord. All commons were missing out of this pack. That's wild to me. Yeah, I think this is a really hard pick. So Inescapable Blaze is far and away the best card in the pack, but I had not seen hardly any Izzet or Boros through the first four picks of this draft. Like I had a very clear like black and green start, and I felt great about every pick I made, picks one through four. Don't think I made a wrong pick there. And then I think the ultimate factor here for me in this pick, I ended up taking Spinal Centipede over Inescapable Blaze, which sounds a little wrong, and I'm still not sure what was right, but Inescapable Blaze does not pair well with any of my black or green cards. So if I take Inescapable Blaze and I end up playing it, I think I'm abandoning all of my black and green cards almost because you're not playing red black and you're not playing red green. So it's pretty tough. It's not splashable. 
but I could still see it being the right pick just as a hedge. I don't know. What do you think about that? So here I'm going to Ben Werner you for a second here, Mm -hmm. which is this feels very similar to the house guild mage pick of my last draft. And I think you're supposed to take inescapable blaze here. And I'm not sure that I would have, but I think you're supposed to, because if you don't get spinal centipede here, it doesn't matter. Yep. Who cares? And it's and the person to your left isn't going to go, whoa, spinal centipede pick six. Right. So if you take blaze here and Boros or is it isn't open. Who cares? But if you don't and it is, it's going to be a pretty big disaster. Yeah, I agree. I think that sells me on Inescapable Blaze being what I should have picked there. And then pick six, I took a Demir Guildgate over like some medium commons, Barging Sergeant, Devious Coverup, Crawl Foragers, Rose Main Centaur, nothing like super standoutish. It was a deep pack common wise, but I think Demir Guildgate goes way up in value because I've got a district guide and frequently my Golgari decks have wanted to splash a few blue cards. Pick seven, I see another Inescapable Blaze. What? I know. What like what is happening? So I I did take Inescapable Blaze here and I was feeling pretty bad about not having taken the one pick five. Mm-hmm. And then pick eight, took a Golgari Guildgate. Pick nine, I took a Selesnya Guildgate over Piston Fist, Cyclops, and Goblin Electromancer. And this is the wheel. So I think important to note that those two cards were in the top eight cards, I think, in the pack in my brain, pick one. And both of them wheeled, as well as these two late inescapable blazes, really feels like signals that maybe is it is the place to be in this draft. But I've got like such powerful Golgari cards that I just took Selesnya Guildgate here. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's it's hard having passed the one blaze. I think there's a world where you go blaze pick five into Ornery Goblin into another blaze. And then you feel much better about taking Electromancer, I think, here with like yeah. two six drop spells. Because and I have had this happen before where like I end pack one with basically like two decks, like six cards in two different decks. And I think that's a place to be. But I just think especially coming off of these two drafts where is it cards felt so scarce to see an Electromancer and a Cyclops wheel does feel like a signal to me that that is it is what your deck, what your seat wants to do. Right. And then the rest of this pack rounds out very unexcitingly. Moodmark Painter, Urban Utopia, Vigor Spore Worm. Crawl Foragers, Garrison Sergeant, and Goblin Locksmith were my picks. Like So all, all totally irrelevant. So it does feel like I maybe missed out on an inescapable blaze and a possible pivot into is it, but I still feel fine about where I'm at Golgari-wise. Like I'm not scrapping for playables. I've got great Golgari cards. Pack two, I started off with a Blood Operative over Deadweight, Gatekeeper, Gargoyle, and Pitiless Gorgon. This is fairly close between Blood Operative and Deadweight, uh, but Blood Operative has just proven itself time and time again for me as like an annoying card when I play with it for my opponents and against me when my opponents have it. So I feel fine about that. Pick two, I took Crawl Harpooner over Deadly Visit and a Beacon Bolt. So an is it card flowing? And I think, you know, you'll see there's some really strong is it cards in this pack. But after taking Blood Operative into Crawl Harpooner, I'm Golgari in my brain. It's like settled. I've got those two good black green cards. I'm doing it. Pick three. Then I take Deadweight over Crackling Drake. So again, seeing is it cards. Yeah, which is a yikes. But there's Glowspore Shaman and Rhizome Lurcher also in the pack. So I'm like, great. I'll take this Deadweight and wheel Glowspore Shaman and Rhizome Lurcher. And the next picks are fairly unexciting. Took a Burglar Rat pick four, Deadly Visit pick five over a Chemister's Insight. So I get like, yes, is it has been open in my seat, but good black cards are still flowing. Uh, pick six, I take a Golgari Guildgate. Pick seven, I took a Wary Okapi, totally irrelevant. Pick eight, kind of interesting. There's a Guild Summit uh, that I took over Crawl Foragers. 
And I think this is particularly interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I have the Demir Guildgate already and the District Guide that I can splash blue with. So it's a fairly easy Guild Summit splash if I want to do that. And I don't think I'm really going to miss out on Crawl Forgers, some of the things we've been saying. And there was a Gatekeeper Gargoyle, pack two, pick one. So possibly this very next pack, I'm wheeling a Gatekeeper Gargoyle, which would just give me the green light to sort of like take some gates and say, yeah, I'm drafting a Golgari-based gate deck. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So pick nine, no wheel of the Gatekeeper Gargoyle, which was a bummer. And then the other thing I want to highlight is that pick 11, I was expecting to wheel Glowspore Shaman, and I did not, which means that there's probably at least one other dedicated Golgari drafter, which is not good news for me because we've all determined that you don't want to be sharing Golgari. So at this point, even despite not wheeling the Gatekeeper Gargoyle, I'm hoping to get into the gate gift. Like I'm looking for an exit route out of like a streamlined Golgari deck. You've neglected to mention something else that is pretty big game, at least just for the the why me part of this, which is what wheeled pack two pick 10? Uh, Selesnia Guildgate? Beacon Bolt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was off that lane. <laughs> You're off it. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe it maybe not worth mentioning then. No, I totally forgot that that had wheeled. Yeah. So, I mean, but I, I still wasn't like feeling regret about the no is it plan. I was just trying to figure out how to make my Golgari deck as good as possible at this point. This again feels like I said, there's going to be some recurring themes and this feels like it doesn't feel like Golgari isn't open for your seat. Right. So like it doesn't feel like you're making mistakes per se. It's just like, I don't know, weighing very close options in two very different decks. Right, right, right. Well, but I think I was feel I was thinking like, okay, I'm the only Golgari drafter. This is great. Up until like the wheel on pack two. And then I was like, uh oh, maybe I'm not the only Golgari drafter. So I was thinking, okay, I I want to be open to the gate deck. And that presented itself in pack three. I started off with an experimental frenzy, which I splashed, lava coil, which I splashed took a crawl harpooner and then pick four, got the key card, got the glaive, and we did it. Drafted a Golgari based glaive deck. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that's also a nice thing to especially have in your back pocket. I'm not sure if that's like in the back pocket of drafters at large of backdooring into a gate deck. I think it should be. I think that's something you need to know how to do in this format. I think like one out of every six drafts, one out of every 10 drafts, certainly it feels like you should be drafting that deck. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think especially in what I don't know what it feels like with the state of the format where we're at in whatever this is week four, week five, like it does feel like those aggro decks and is it in Boros are kind of hotly contested. It does still feel like green is underdrafted, though it does doesn't quite feel like we're in the like green is terrible phase of things anymore. I don't know th this Format is evolving in a complex way, and these drafts especially, I think, highlight the the really tough decisions. Those really, like, you got to hunker down and make those hard choices, even when it feels bad to throw away three, four, five picks. Yeah, and I think as the format's going on, it is harder to find the open guild like than it was in the first three weeks because I think people know what the better cards are now, and I think people are starting to hedge a little bit more. Yeah. I also wonder if it's people holding on to things that they shouldn't be holding on to. Like, I think that's part of the problem too in sending bad signals. That like people are ignoring the things that they should be doing, and so then they are sending weird signals, and then they move in, and then that has a ripple effect, that sort of thing. Right. Like the, like the pick five and the pick seven inescapable blazes right. in my draft, like that should never happen. And I was a contributing factor. There. Like, I passed that <laughs> right. pick five inescapable blaze. Like I'm part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. I usually feel like real riled up to draft after we record sometimes. 
but I feel a little nervous. Like these, these drafts here <laughs> specifically make me, I'm like, I don't know if I have it in me to like throw away the is it picks or to like move in on that 12th pick vigor spore worm. You can do it, listeners. You can do it. Whew. All right. Take courage, my friends. Ben says we can do it. We can do it. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. We are still going with that GRN treasure hunt. Please, if you have unlocked some of those sweet, sweet achievements, take a screenshot, ship it over to us on Twitter or to our email address, get entered into a giveaway for a draft set on Magic Online if you unlock five of those. And each one of those achievements that we unlock as a community will be an hour towards a 15-hour stream that Ben and I will do together. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Check us out on social media. We have got great news. Ben's going to be back on the mean streets of Twitch, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome for him, twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. And my power level on those four picks is like through the charts, like through the roof, off the charts and through the roof. Did you like that there? (laughs) Yeah. Throughout the charts. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. 
Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.